And I'm uh, fascinated with the new release that you have out. Um, you just released the new album, um, The Lost Songs, 1978 through 1981. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually had some of these songs, uh, being a big fan, I had a German silver disc release of, of Back in the Streets. Um, yeah. that had some of this material on it. Um, but very, very pleasantly surprised to see some songs that I, I had not heard before on here. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the, um, the songs, you know, wh- how you chose the material for this, this album? Well, and, no, I was always pissed that that album came out because that was a bootleg. Yeah, I was, sure. I was pissed <laughs> over the recording studio. I'm a demo sure. I did. You know what I mean? It always pissed me off. The guy made a fortune and I never got paid. So I just let it go. And then I said, you know, I own those songs and I wrote them. Well, I just put them out myself. And I said, but there's not really enough songs for a record. So um, I had a house in L.A. and I have a house in New Mexico. I was moving some stuff back and forth about seven months ago. Mm-hmm. And I stumbled across this, uh, what you call it, a plastic tub. And it was like all these tapes that had been in storage for like, I don't know, 25 years. Wow, so this is a recent discovery then. I, mean, just, oh, yeah. just, I didn't know. I had no clue. <laughs> I didn't know so, the tapes. They weren't marked. So I had to find a studio actually because everybody works Pro Tools now. These were sure. videos. So I was in the studio and started putting shit up and, and I was like, holy crap, you know, there's all this material, you know? And I sort of, it was kind of like a trip down time because I go, oh, I remember this song. We never finished it. We, oh, I remember this song. It was supposed to be on Breaking the Change. didn't make it. And, oh, I remember this song. This was some of my early demos. And, you know, it was kind of like that. So uh, I don't know. I just started goofing around with them. And the rest of us, I talked to the record company. I said, you know, I've got all these songs that were never released. And I'd had some conversations about other bands that I know have songs they wrote in the early days, but they won't release them. They want us to keep them private, you know. Sure. And, you know, I'm, and I, we were just having a conversation about a lot of people don't realize the process that you you don't just go and write 11 songs and record 11 songs and put them out. You write 15 or 16 songs and you pick the, your favorites, then you put them out, you know. Sure. So that's what I did. So these were yeah. goals. Yeah, these are, it, it's it's fascinating to uh, to hear uh, you know the early stages of this. Um, obviously, there's some stuff you know out on, on YouTube as well, like Red Book and some early stuff that you did. Right. Um, um, you know, and and I guess maybe maybe you don't have good masters of some of that, or you just chose not to maybe put it on this release, but. Um, yeah, I, I listen to some of the stuff. On, I think this is my stuff was floating around the internet, but it's not like shit, you know. Yeah, <laughs> a copy of a copy of a copy of a sure. copy. So I knew that stuff was floating around some of it, but it just sounded so terrible, you know. So I thought, well, if I can go in the studio, modern technology, clean it up, take all the pops and blinks and blanks out of it. And, you know, clean it up. And there were three songs that weren't ever on YouTube because, or the Internet, because I never finished them. Mm-hmm. So I had DJ put new drums on them, and I had John put a song on them, and that was that. 
<laughs> that was going to be my next question. Actually, I, I saw you have BJ and John, uh, you know, playing on this album. So I was curious, uh, which, which songs did uh, did did they perform on? Uh, Step into the light. Mm-hmm. No answer. I think that's it. Yeah, Step into the light is, is fantastic. I I really you know was really impressed with that um, as the first single off of this. Yeah, we got lucky on that. So. Is I actually did have a multi-track, you know. Mm-hmm. I had the vocals, I had a drum machine, got rid of that, had BJ place the drums, had the guitar tracks separated on 16 tracks, so I drum, replaced the guitars, put a solo on it, I kept my vocals, the harmonies, and the bass, and so that was, uh, you know, I got lucky, because some of these things are multi-tracks, but some of the songs were just two tracks, so there's not much I can say about the writing. I'm sure. The, the so, quality on most of the material is great. I mean, the sound quality is, is, is pretty good on most of this. I mean, not bad. You know, I mean, I couldn't put out. That was my dilemma. You know, I said, well, I got one song. I found a copy of it. So it was like crap. You know, yeah. I, I scoured the internet. I couldn't find anybody that had a better copy. I was hit and run. I couldn't find a copy of it. And all these weird accidents happened, like uh, for instance, my original 45 single I did back in 1977 or 80 when I was in my early 20s. I'm doing an interview with a guy in Sweden and for Swedish Rock Magazine and I'm talking about you know, doing this record. He goes, yeah, I have a copy of that your original single you did when you brought it to Germany and sold. I said, what? He goes, yeah, when you came to Germany in 79, you brought a bunch of 45 singles and you were selling them. I said, yeah, but those are lost to history. I mean, how we brought 300 of them, 400 of them over there, they're all gone, they're in Germany, they're long gone, man. He goes, well, actually, I have one. He goes, I'm never <laughs> My friend went to your concert in Berlin, and he bought two of those 45s, and he gave one to me. Wow. I said, holy shit, can you find it? And he goes, well, I'll look. So he looked, and he said, yeah, I found it. And I said, dude, it'd be a godsend if you could, you know, send me a, a, a CD of it, you know, burn a CD. And he said, well, I got the same problem. I don't uh, have a, a, a record player that will play 25s. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's amazing how much technology has changed, you know, in, in several phases, actually, since then. Yeah. So he did went to a record store, like a finished record store, mm-hmm. where they sell records, and they had a four, and they had a little five turntable. So he hooked up, they hooked it up for him, transferred the CD. He sent me a wave of it. I mastered it, and that's it. So I got hot rock boom brother. <laughs> well, it's it's great to hear this. Tell me a little bit about the history of this because. You know, it was a little bit different in, in, in the early days, I'm sure, before you guys really hit it big when the Sunset Strip scene all blew up. So, what do you want to hear? about the Sunset Strip days? No, no, no. Pri- prior to that, tell me, tell me how it was getting to that point. Because um, you guys were kind of, you know, the, the stuff that's on this album, I mean, it was quality stuff, good, good, good albums, but obviously you guys were scraping a little bit at this point. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, try, try. the biggest luck was that, you know, the Sunset Strip was happening mm-hmm. in 77. That's when Van Halen put the record. Sure. Out. Yeah. And I was already playing the strip by then. 
and I was doing okay. We were doing all right, and now we're making a little bit of money. But the biggest problem was, is if you said, we couldn't pay our rent. We were all living, you know, in our cars or with girlfriends or anybody. Couch hopping, as I call it. Yeah, yeah. I love you went to Germany. And I met somebody who owned the biggest club in Hamburg, and he, he was over in L.A., and we were playing whiskey, and he came and saw us play, because he was trying to check out clubs, get some ideas. And he just said, and by then, well, there's all these documentaries about the rock and roll scene, you know, mm-hmm. and then nobody talks about the rock and roll scene kind of didn't take off. You know, I was in it. I was playing with Van Halen and all the other bands. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really take off. The new wave thing kind of crept in. Yeah. Now, my Sharona, uh, the Black sure. Flag, yeah. the punk bands, X, Evil, those bands started playing the strip. They came out of New York and other places in L.A. So it wasn't like everybody talks about this glorious rock day. There was for a moment. But that actually came, you know, the rock scene, as I remember it, came after we got a record deal. We got our first U.S. tour in 1981. So, um, anyway, this guy said, hey, I'm a musician, I got a band, I got equipment. If you buy your own plane tickets, came to Germany, I could book you like 10 shows in Germany. So I figured we had nothing to lose. Nice. So we left. And that's why I went to Germany. And that's when I met Michael Wagner and Michael Wagner worked in a studio across the studio, and we'd go sneak in there at night on downtime, and we'd record. And that was how I made all those demos over a couple of weeks, a whole bunch of stuff, so I finished some night. But the owner of that studio took my tapes and wouldn't give them to me. Oh, jeez. And then they got off record uh, back in the streets, which is all wrong. That's a line up to... Yeah, the guy fucked me, basically. Sure. Wow. And then I said, well, you do sue him, you know, in Germany. And I talked to my man about him that way back then. And he said, you know, Don, this thing's probably going to sell, like, you know, a thousand copies. I never knew it would sell a million dollars worth. The guy got rich off me. Wow. So fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did all right for yourself, uh, regardless of uh, running out of the <laughs> and, and your relationship with Michael Wagner uh, certainly was, was, I'm sure, helpful, uh, and you guys made a good team. Um, yeah, because you know, he was just and And the fact that I talked him to come to America, and that's where he really took off, you know? He's oh, yeah. He was a hot commodity, to, uh, you know, especially uh, in the 80s. Everybody wanted oh, yeah. him to produce their stuff because it sounded so great. He was the guy... And I told Michael the same thing. The guy that took me to Germany, I told Michael the same thing. You need to come to America. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> America, he slept on my couch for about six months. <laughs> and we worked in the studio. And then our first project we ever did together, me and Michael, was uh, the great light album out of the night. So it was actually a little bit of a global economy going on in the rock and roll business even back then for you guys. Yeah. Back and forth through yeah, you know, Europe. Then the rest is all history. We got our record deal, went back to Germany, did the that TV show The Beat, and the European tour, and it's all history. 
I see there's an out. I just found out there's a book out. I've got autobiography on docket. It's unofficial. Hmm. What do you call it? Unauthorized. Sure. I'll have to buy it to see what the fuck's going on in it. <laughs> see if you believe what's actually in it, right? <laughs> I always wondered about that. <laughs> you know, when I you're the star, when you're the star and an unauthorized autobiography okay. comes out, I just wonder if you look through it and you don't go, yeah. no, 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 that's bullshit. You know, that didn't happen. <laughs> right. I mean, I was there and they twist everything and juice it up and try to make it more juicy. And, you know, and I'm like, that didn't happen. It's kind of the time, no, I was going to say the timing of this album is great because obviously um, touring is at a standstill at the moment with the, the COVID-19 situation. Um, so I know that probably kind of cuts into what you normally would be doing. Uh, you do quite a bit of live shows um, on a regular basis. So, but I do see you have some, I see you have some books uh, in, into the fall, I believe, um, for this year, or, or is that still questionable? Yeah, a few shows booked for next month. Nice, okay. And George is going to join you on a couple of shows, right? Correct, yes. That's awesome. Glad to see you guys playing together. Yeah, Rep Beach is going to step in and do some shows with this. George is going to do the encores. Uh, you know, this COVID thing, I get it. I mean, it doesn't really affect me up here in New Mexico because we've had like a whopping 10,000 cases in the whole state. You know? So you're one of the better off people right <laughs> now. I'm in Florida and it's bad here. Yeah, Florida got hit pretty bad, and plus where I live, you know, my house, my manor house is so far from the mountains removed. I mean, my driveway's a mile long. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Literally in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so. But it does seem to affect, like, you know, the promoters and stuff even, are, I think, are a little bit concerned about, you know, actually scheduling these shows from what I'm hearing, but... But, but I'm glad no. to see you guys have some upcoming shows coming. I mean, are they going to be socially distanced, or do you know anything about that? Is it just going to be a regular show? I don't know how they can. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I don't see how you keep people six feet apart at a rock concert. It just doesn't even seem like it would happen, or it could happen. I think what blew that out of the water is with all the demonstrations about the George Floyd thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah everybody people marching on and on. There's no on. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that was one of my first comments. I don't know why these concerts are going on. I really don't. I don't know what the governor of Arkansas is doing or Virginia. It's their call. Yeah. They're doing that 50% capacity. I see. Oh, it'll be like, uh, and then they changed it now to like 30% capacity. Oh, well, okay. We'll probably only have a couple thousand people. Well, it would probably feel good just to play live. I mean, how long has it been now since you did your last live set? Seven months. Wow. Yeah, that's a little while. <laughs> oh, people want to go and make a living. They have bills to pay. Uh, you will love the sure. music. I, I'm pretty sure everybody's getting pretty scooter crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm one of them, too. I mean, I'm, I'm a regular concert goer, obviously. And, and it, uh, you know, it's different. It, it's just, just strange to just stay home for the most part. And, well, that's, you know, that's how Allowed me the luxury of doing this lost tape. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, the timing's great, you know, because you can put this out now. You, you found this stuff at just the right time. Um, yes. You know, I know you got a time frame on it, Lost Song 78 through 81, which is what these, you know, these lost recordings are. Um, is there other material that you've never released after this point through the 80s that you still have sitting around somewhere that's never made it onto an album? 
Not that I know of. None at all. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> For the amount of albums you guys have done, I, I'm amazed there's not extra tracks. I mean, I know there was extra tracks on the Japanese uh, CDs and, and things of that nature, which I have. Um, well, yeah, I had those. But most, really, honestly, most of the songs we did, you know, leftovers, we ended up taking pieces of them and lyrics out of them and chopping them up and turning them into other songs. So there's nothing really out there that we could use. You know, I've always considered you to be a really great songwriter. Um, and, and I wonder, where where do you get your main inspiration when you're writing lyrics? Uh, there, I wouldn't say there is a main inspiration. I've written so many songs by somebody just making a comment. <laughs> and I go, what do you say? And, you know, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm on it, you know. Like uh, The Kiss of Death, that, that song was about AIDS. Yeah. AIDS just went out and all that stuff, and my uncle got AIDS, and he died of it, and then it was spreading. And I was having a conversation with Nick one night about it, that you should be careful because we're on the road. There's, like, girls everywhere backstage. And I said, it's this thing called AIDS. And everybody thought it was a uh, a gay disease, which turned out to be not true. Sure. <laughs> and, and he says, oh, I'll never get it, man. I don't sleep with good-looking girls. <laughs> man, I don't think AIDS cares what you look like, Nick. So I thought it was a funny, a funny comment, and that inspired me to write the kiss again. <laughs> so, so a lot of it is, is real life experiences that you just uh, take from on the whim or in a conversation, like you say. And uh, well, you step into sort the of light. Step in the light. Yeah, I remember it was about. I remember at those lyrics, I didn't them out down on a piece of paper. But there was this person in my life that was just always down, you know, down and staying home and just mopey and she. They just couldn't get their life together, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was kind of thinking about that when I wrote that like, 40 years ago. Yeah. That gives it more of a personal effect, I think. You know, I mean, it's always good to be a good storyteller, but I think if you take it from a place of personal reflection or someone you know, I think that probably adds just a little bit more to, to the material. Yeah. And honestly, like, uh, songs like, uh, well, I'll say goodbye. I wrote mm-hmm. that in Hamburg, Germany in 79. And uh, I wrote that because we were getting ready to go back to America. And I was uh, dating a girl in Hamburg, and and she was hanging out in the studio with me every night, you know. And I met over there, but then I had to go back home. And I, that's what came, I came up with the idea to say, I'll say goodbye, maybe we'll be another day. You know, I tried, but I can't stay. <laughs> Little things like that inspire you. So correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but I I thought I saw somewhere that you're uh, working on a new document album of brand new material as well. Is that correct? Yeah, we're halfway done. Nice, nice, very good. Any surprises on this one that we should be aware of? Or I don't know. I haven't finished it. <laughs> <laughs> At least in the first half, you're not sure yet, huh? <laughs> it's just been very hard to write directly. It's been very very difficult. I mean, right over the internet, you know? Yeah, that's, I mean, obviously this situation doesn't help that. And, and I'm sure the other guys in Duncan are spread out, right? So, yeah, they're in Connecticut, L.A., I'm in New Mexico, could be Jane Christian, Hartford. I mean, it sucks. And I'm lucky, though, because when we wrote Broken Bones, 
we ended up having about seven or eight leftover ideas. And uh, and I had recorded all that stuff on my Pro Tools on my guitar back in the days where I could still play guitar. You know, like I, unfortunately, I can't play guitar anymore. So um, that sucks. So I get all kinds of ideas, but I can't. I can't put the idea in tape. I can't. Uh, that makes it probably more difficult to relate that to the other guys too, because you can't put that melody, that that line on the guitar, probably, right? No, it really sucks. So uh, luckily, I had, like I said, I recorded a lot of songs with John and Broken Bones left over. I found them, dug them up. John redid them, and. But, you know, it was like a double whammy. It's like, you know, first I have surgery and my arm gets paralyzed. And the next thing I know, the COVID hits. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know. So, and I was taking time off after surgery anyway. I mean, I, I, I was paralyzed. Sure. So they said it would come back in six months. But it's been seven months now and my hand's still frozen. So, uh, it's, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'll ever play guitar again. There's nothing I can do about it, you know. Wow. Well, I hope I hope you get the opportunity to again because, like I said, I'm sure it's helpful just to craft melody lines for for songs and stuff as well. Even if you don't play, you know, even if you don't play live with the guitar, it's worked out a screwy kind of uh, way of writing. You know, I actually got on the internet and I'll hum the melody to John. Guitar riff, you, know. <laughs> you found a way to work around it temporarily, anyway. <laughs> It's a workaround. I'll just come down to da 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 and the you know, they'll play it. So tell me about your uh, tell me about your relationship with the uh, the original Dawkins members. Still, everything's still good with uh, Jeff. I know Mick is pretty much retired at this point. That's what said. Yeah, he's full blown retired. Yeah, I haven't I haven't spoken to Mick since the day after then. Really? Wow. You think after 40 years of playing together, we'd have a relationship? So there's, it doesn't sound like there's a good chance there's going to be any kind of uh, reuniting of the original members again for anything. No, not going to happen. I mean, Mick's retired, and it's not because he wanted to retire. He loves playing. He just couldn't play anymore. Just physically? Physically, no. He was like in the same position as Neil Peart, you know? Yeah, sure. He's like, my knees are shot, my, my legs are shot, my hips are shot, my back's shot. He goes... He goes, look, man, I've been playing since I'm 10 years old. I've been playing drums for 50 years. I'm worn out. You know? Same as Neil Peart. Uh, I remember Buddy Rich when he had quit the Clay Carson show because his back was just so far gone. He just couldn't sit on the drums anymore. Well, he's such a physical, you know, a physical instrument. <laughs> it is you know? the hardest instrument. I got it easy. We all got it easy. Playing drums is like, I don't know how anybody could do it. <laughs> well, especially, you know, as you get older. I mean, uh, it's just amazing, you know, the toll it takes on someone's body. So. Yeah, so he literally just quit. We we had four shows to go on the last tour, and then he, he couldn't even do the last four. He said, I just can't do it. He went to the airport. We were flying home, and he said, I'm done. I'm selling my drums. It's over. And thank God he made money during the heyday, and he doesn't need to make money, you know. Yeah. So he's done. Well, and then you got Jeff. He's been in Foreigner forever. Mm-hmm. He loves Foreigner. He's a musical director. He's been in the band 20 years now, so uh, that's his baby. And George's got, you know, a million projects going on. Yeah. So how's your relationship with George these days in particular? I mean, I know you guys have kind of back and forth not gotten along over the years, but you guys have made great music together, too. So did it seem to be that you've patched things up between the two of you, I guess? 
this point? Or? Yes. Yeah, I think we're just too old to argue. <laughs> well, you probably know what buttons not to push on each other at this point, too, you know? Correct. Look, <laughs> After no, all this time. From day one, when he joined the band, was always a problem, you know, because he's alpha, I'm alpha, and you get two alphas in a band, you got problems. Sure. Sure. And I had always assumed that was the issue, you know. <laughs> it was. Uh, similar to Van Halen, you know, David Lee Roth and, and Eddie, you know, kind of both. Uh, yeah. There's, a million, the there's a million bands out there with the same prop. They just don't. They just, they just don't talk about it. Well, well, I'm glad to see you guys again. Like I said, on stage again. The the live album you guys did the the live uh, concerts in in Japan. Uh, few years back, that was fantastic. You know, that was very well. Yeah, it sounded sounded awesome too. I mean, you guys still had some, you know, the fire in there of the original lineup. It sounds great. Yeah, but you know, just, and then we did that one new song, we made a video of it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just another day. I, I like that yeah. video. That was the last video we made original. The last yeah. couple of years ago, it's just another day and. And there was a new video out on YouTube on this record, you know, for the single uh, Step Into the Light. They did a, it's, it's on, I don't know if you've seen any video or not. It's just a composite yeah. old thing yeah. when I was very young. Yeah, but it's pretty cool. It's very nostalgic. Very. I, I, like the, I like the style of it. It's pretty neat. So you told me you're working on the, on the new Dokken album uh, that's coming up. What's your, um, at this point in your life, what's your long-term goal for, for Dokken? Long-term goal, you know. I mean, look, I could tour until I drop, you know, and just play the hits the rest of my life. But I don't want to do that. You know, you make new songs because you want to make music because you love it. Sure. As far as the days of having a radio hit and on the radio, the MTV's gone. There's no vehicle there. You get your music exposed to television. It's all hip hop and bullshit. And so I don't really have a long-term plan. I'm just going to play until I can't play anymore. <laughs> so do do what you want. You know, I mean, it's already going to be hard playing with one pair of eyes on. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, so will you continue to do some Don Dawkins solo material um, as well as the band itself, or are they pretty much the same these days? No, I'm in a holding pattern because of my arm. I see. I, see. I can't write. I can't write. Yeah. I'm right. I can't write. I see. That would make it quite difficult then. Yeah, so I'm just writing lyrics, I'm going to sing, but I can't compose, I can't play the piano, I can't play the guitar, I'm stuck. You know, it's not, I'm not happy about it, but yeah. what am I going to fucking do? You know? Yeah, I guess if you get to, when you get your lyrics all written and you have them ready to go, if you're still unable to play, maybe you would hire musicians like this to help, you know? To no, no, I have John. Yeah, I'll have it too. <laughs> but he's part of Dawkins, the band, right? So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, John, you know, John's been in the band over 20 years. So I got John yeah. on the car, I got Chris on bass, got BJ on drums. I got a whole band. I don't need to hire anybody. I, I just didn't know if you would intermingle musicians between your solo work and, and um, you know, Dawkins as a band, as a unit. I haven't thought about it. Right now, yeah. I'm just concentrating on going on the road, not catching COVID. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. I certainly, uh, you know, wish you well uh, going out on the road. You know, definitely stay safe um, you know, when you're out there because, yeah, it apparently seems to be uh, much worse in a lot of the, the U.S. at this point in time. It's my um, game. And I talked to Mickey D. last week, and he was on mm-hmm. tour before. He was in Australia a few months ago, and him and his wife caught it. 
And he said, oh, wow. he said it was horrible. Well, yeah, it's just the weirdest thing you've ever heard about because some people get it supposedly and just have little cold-like sniffles, and some people have just a terrible go of it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like well, well changed. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> hey, man, it is a total pleasure to get to speak with you. Um, I, I can't tell you, when I was uh, a teenager, my uh, my walls, my ceilings, everything was uh, plastered with uh, pictures of uh, my favorite bands, and Dokken was... was you know, my number one band. So, <laughs> so it was a pleasure to get to actually talk to you and ask you the questions I wanted to ask. So I appreciate that. I appreciate the interest. Thanks, boss. Have a good day. All right. Thanks, boss. All right. Bye. Bye.